the Cornell Language Research Center and like other communities within Cornell is doing a lot to try to give a sense of normalcy to students and also let them hear like their voices heard. I know a lot of people don't feel like that right now. I know in the midst of a lot of change that a lot of people have been experienced before and they don't really know how to deal with it and not too many people have adults that they can go to uh, to talk about it or people that they trust. So I think it's great that whether we choose to accept it or not, that there are people that we can go to within our um, our place of academic studying that we can uh, talk to. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week, on Speaking of Language. We speak with three Cornell language students about their transition into remote learning over the course of this semester. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Our special focus on language teaching and learning strategies in a virtual space continues today with stories from language students at Cornell. We are excited to speak with Jabari Gambrell, J.T. Miller, and Skylar McQueen, students of Wolof, Korean, and German at Cornell University. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Jabari. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. J.T. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And Skylar. Thank you for having me. So before we want to dive into hearing from all of you about how this whole um, process has been moving into remote instruction and learning online, Please share with our listeners a little bit about who you are, what languages you speak, you are learning, what your language path has been. Jabari, why don't you get started? Okay. Um, hi, my name is Jabari Gambrell. Um, I am currently a sophomore at Cornell, I'm double majoring in um, Africana studies, and I'm a college scholar looking into foreign aid, foreign aid and border studies. Um, the language that I study at Cornell is Wolof. Um, I speak. Uh, Pular, um, which is a language that is neighboring um, Wolof. I also speak French and Haitian Creole. And English, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. JT, what about you? Okay, I think my journey is relatively short. Um, English is my first language. And as of right now, I will say it's the only language I speak, even though I'm getting very proficient at the language I'm learning at Cornell, which is Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my life, learning a language wasn't a priority of mine. I've always valued people who spoke multiple languages, as I think it is a beautiful way to get to know other people, communicate with other people. And I think if you're traveling, it's very important to know some of the language in order to get to know the culture. However, um, it just was never a part of my vision for what I had. I was just focused on being a veterinarian and Mm -hmm. that was all I had until I met a friend at the school I used to go to, UMass Amherst, who was into uh, K-pop. She was from Poland. She spoke Polish, um, but she was very interested in K-pop, which language is Korean. And after uh, getting into K-pop, I really wanted to learn the language as well. So when I transferred to Cornell University, that was the first class I tried to get into. That's awesome. That's wonderful. And Skylar? Okay, so I'm a native English speaker, and in high school I took Spanish, um, but then, so I'm in the College of Arts and Sciences, so I had to choose a language to take in college, Mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, German always sounded interesting. I think I took Intro to Linguistics my freshman year, and we talked about 
the word structure in German. Mm -hmm. And I thought that sounded really fun and I'd like to try learning it. And I figured why not? And then I really enjoyed my classes and I've just kept going. That's awesome. So what has your experience as a language learner at Cornell been in general before this whole thing started? Can you talk a little bit about your path? Yeah. Um, so first year I was accepted as a student in arts, architecture, and planning. Um, and I wanted to study Wolof um, so that I could formally learn how to write um, and read one of the languages that I grew up hearing a lot about um, that I never really learned how to speak, learn how to write or read in. Um, and I found out that Cornell offered it through um, the language sharing initiative. Um, then I kind of jumped on the opportunity, sent out an email um, and began taking classes and kind of fell in love with the process. So uh, one umbrella thing that's amazing about language classes at Cornell in general is that I believe for almost all of them, the beginner level is six credits. It's a six credit class and you have discussion every single day and you have lecture um, uh, at least twice a week. So it's very um, intense. It's very um, helpful because in the discussions, you're only speaking the language that you're studying. You're not allowed to use English at all. And then in the lectures, you um, learn more to then discuss within the discussions. And what I've noticed when it comes to um, like language competitions that I have done in Toronto, when I look at the hour requirements for a certain level, um, Cornell surpasses that. Uh, we get way much more in class time than I think is standard um, across the country for other um, languages. As far as the Korean program in general, the professors are incredible. My professor right now, uh, Kim something Nim, uh, Mr. Kim, he is amazing. He uh, makes the whole class feel like a family um, and we learn so well because we go by the book, but also if we have a question that's completely random, he makes a teaching moment out of it. And um, I think that's incredible. The classes are small versus like having like my biology chemistry lecture halls where it's like 200 people with one instructor and then there's TA. But we have like maybe 20 students in the beginning level, 2026. 20, and then it, like right now we only have like 11 or 12. So it's like really amazing to have that small environment where you just focus on something that you truly love. It doesn't feel like you're learning so much as you're just doing something you truly enjoy. I think my German classes are really fun for like a variety of reasons. I think it's, you know, my, so I'm a math major as well. And in those classes, it's always lecture. And in my German classes, I really get the opportunity to get to know other students, which is so much fun. And also to talk about interesting things, whether that be like the fall of the wall or today's current events and politics yeah. in Germany, things that I usually wouldn't get the opportunity to discuss. That's great. Um, so uh, how about your experience with the shift to remote instruction? How has uh, switching to learning online been compared to your usual face-to-face -face experience? I think that the, um, because yes, Wolof is usually taught remotely. Um, the th main thing that's changed for me and the way that I've been um, interacting with my course is sort of the ritual that I had developed in going to class mm -hmm. or really acknowledged. Um, I would always walk into the LRC um, and greet who I greeted, um, sit down, kind of have my own headspace and time, um, where now it's more like a walk out of my bedroom into the dining room, <laughs> which is definitely different um, and changes the sort of way in which I'm interacting with the class. Um, also, the on the other side of the camera, I was Skyping or uh, viewing into uh, Columbia, yeah. which everybody was sitting in the classroom together. So there was more of a flow in continuity of their conversation than mm -hmm. my speaking 
Um, and now I think there's concern sometimes with Wi-Fi breaks up things, which is hard when you're learning a different language. Yeah. Um, but it also just changes. I think there's also some uh, things that we've been able to do that are good as well, like uh, the use of breakout rooms, raising your hand, writing questions. And um, our teacher was writing into uh, the chat some of the spellings, which normally we would write on the board, but it was mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. So I found out that we would be canceling classes for the two weeks um, that they Cornell spanned it in my Korean class. And my Korean class is the class where I am the closest with my professor and with my other students. Mm-hmm. Um, so compared to that maybe being a happy moment or just a regular moment, maybe in another class, we were all very emotional. And we took pictures that day. We were very mm-hmm. upset and we were crying. And there's seniors that we probably won't be able to see again. Mm-hmm. So um, it was definitely a very emotional time. So um Throughout that process, I was thinking primarily about Korean as well as a dog lads I work with. So those are two things that are kind of hard to do um, online. However, with the Korean class in particular in comparison to the other classes that I am taking online, it has been almost the same, which I find mm-hmm. incredibly amazing because there is so few of us and because of um, my professor, um, Kim Sun-Sainim, um, it's... Um, just as personal as it's always been. We still see each other through the um, video live. Um, we get to share a part of our lives. It's now like we're in our homes, so mm-hmm. we get to see that, and that can both be a scary and a good thing, depending mm-hmm. on how it is. But because of the family-like atmosphere that we have, um, it hasn't been that much different within the Korean uh, language um, program moving to online. And just earlier today on our Facebook page for the Korean language program, uh, Song Sung Nim, uh, who is in charge of the uh, Korean language program, posted a group photo of the beginner's Korean um, um, online with all of our individual photos. So I think that the program itself, it's going to thrive no matter what um no matter uh, what um, vessel it is going through, whether it's in person Mm -hmm. or online. And I think that shows how strong the professors are, how strong it is for the students who want to learn, and um, how strong the Cornell language programs are. So the funnily enough for my one German class, it's German digital culture. We've already had remote class. Mm -hmm. Um, We did it one day. I think my professor, her kids were sick and she was sick. So we did a Zoom class, which I think worked out really well Mm -hmm. because It was tough that first day, but then we figured out all the kinks and now it's been going really smoothly. I think both of my like language classes have been going a lot better than my math lectures, Mm -hmm. which have been, you know, it can be challenging to follow on your computer versus when we're discussing, discussing in German, we kind of, I can look at everyone's faces and we can still talk. And I think the Zoom breakout rooms have been really useful for doing like one-on-one chats as well. Mm -hmm. Were there any other pleasant or positive surprises, things that um, you hadn't maybe thought about in terms of learning online that, that, you know, when you think back, you're like, huh, you know, it's actually not that bad. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, Sharing of like media. So Mm -hmm. we watch a lot of short film clips. There's a lot of movies in Wolof and a lot of um, new television series that are in both French and Wolof. Mm -hmm. Um, And our teacher has been able to flip her screen, um, which is completely different than um, when we're in the classroom. It's a lot faster. um, And also like the sharing of information, we've been working a lot more with dialogues. um, Mm -hmm. So that sort of building more of a rapport in a weird way, digital learning kind of like adds to that if it's like in your um, private space. Mm -hmm. Also, I feel like we're all free to make more mistakes. It's a little bit more of a relaxed environment. Oh, that's interesting. That's great. 
I can't say in the specific context that there's been anything um, surprising or that was uh, very different um, regarding uh, the move to online within the classroom setting. Um, besides the fact that we do get to see a little bit more about our classmates and our teacher. Um, I know for me, um, I've been showing my dog very often in my Korean lectures. We've been making, um, we've been talking in Korean about her and it's been pretty cool. I've learned a lot of animal terms in the midst of it and as a science major, that's been very helpful and great. Um, and I've also seen a lot about where my classmates live and like, um, I think that that's very important um and i think sometimes we're very shut off and we're all in the same space and it seems like we're all at the same level um and that's not true and that shouldn't be something that separates us but brings us more together since we know more about each other i think um like office hours for all of my classes via zoom have been really convenient Mm. um i think like i don't have to walk to somewhere far i can make it in time also for one of my German classes, we're Zooming with students in Germany this semester. Mm-hmm. So it's also really easy. I'm familiar with Zoom. We don't have to go through the whole like three day trying to figure it out, how to create a meeting. Now we kind of already know how to use the software, which is helpful. Is there anything you wish you had known beforehand uh, before getting into this? Yeah, um, Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. I I think I underestimated how much the team at Cornell does in terms of making sure that everything's so smooth. Mm. The first uh, Zoom call that we were on, um, I remember that my Wi-Fi was breaking up a little bit, um, which meant that I would be staring at the screen and I would hear part of what someone said and I would have to keep asking to repeat, um, which isn't something that I was really used to. But I think shoring up your Wi-Fi and making sure that your setup is... uh, in an enclosed personal space where you feel comfortable to speak and try in a different language. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is trying. Yeah. I think that's very important. (laughs) Definitely expect that. And I think that's a really good point because language classes are, are different from um, other subject matters because you do randomly, you know, when you're sitting at home or wherever you are, all of a sudden you speak in a different language and you know that the people around you are still around you. And that might be a little bit uncomfortable because it's not like you're in a physical space with other people who are also speaking the same language. Absolutely. Yeah. I think when everyone is thinking about this, um, it came in many steps talking about COVID-19 and the severity of it and how it would impact us. I don't think anyone would going into 2020, even though 2020 is perfect vision would have imagined that any of this would happen. Um, but I, I definitely wish that, I mean, one thing I'm very happy about is that I'm someone who likes to take a lot of photos. I take a lot of videos and photos. I, every time I'm with my friends, I always ask if we can take pictures. When I was with the dogs in my dog labs, I took photos and videos. So I have so much footage that I can look back on happily of those moments. But, um, possibly I would say it's just spending more time and valuing um what i had like even the cornell chimes that woke me up in the morning i miss those now so i think um definitely just um appreciating things more than um that i don't appreciate uh that i appreciate a whole lot more now uh, would have been something that if i could go back i would like to do i would say i guess test taking has been the hardest thing to figure out and i don't even know if i have an answer for that mm-hmm. but i think it's been a struggle. I just took a quiz today in one of my German classes and it's like, how do you ensure that no one's cheating? And we ended up flipping our screens down and the teacher could watch us write the quiz answers, which was just kind of awkward and funny, but I think it worked. Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. Do you have any advice for your peers on how they can best manage their time and this entire remote situation? Like what has worked for you? Um, I think that, uh, to what I spoke about earlier with my routine, um, getting up and making sure that I am setting a time that I get up regardless of when my classes start. I feel like at Cornell, I would kind of just get moving because I saw other people getting moving and you start to hear different noises. Um, I'm in a very peaceful environment right now. It's the kind of rural where I am. Um, so making sure that I get up, I get showered, I, uh, start doing all my things and for language specifically, uh, listening to a lot of different media, um, mm -hmm. more than I would. So like putting on Wolf music just to get me in the mindset. Nice. Um, so before I would give advice, I would definitely say that I'm someone that also struggles with that. I'm someone who um, I'm up very late at night. I um, have all these deadlines scribbled in my agenda, uh, but they are um, they pile up and um, amongst a lot of emails, it's very hard to tell what's due, what's now. And it also seems at times that I'm more worried about getting things and getting the deadline in versus just genuinely focusing on the learning. And um, mm -hmm. if you Part of that is missing in a lot of my classes. Um, I think the best thing to do, and this is something that I'm talking to myself about as well as whoever might view this, is to remember the reason why you chose these courses. And uh, it could be because you chose these courses because you actually like them, or it could be this is a necessity to get to where you want to go because you want to do something that you're going to eventually like. And for me, besides Korean, most of the classes, although there are a few that I actually really do enjoy, it's to get to vet school, which is, I feel, is the next step for me as of right now. So I'm trying to remember that the information that's in there is not just um, for right now, it's for later as well. So that's kind of motivating me at times um, to focus on the material and actually wanting to learn it. And instead of just like, there's an assignment, I need to do exactly what I need to do just to get this assignment through. Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. when you don't have the lecture, the face-to-face, -face, the... Um, the, maybe the library, whatever elements that you had before that was a part of your normal schedule, which is a lot of what makes people have peace of mind is having a schedule in certain places where they can go. Yeah. I think it's important to focus on what we all have and that's ourselves, our minds and what we love. And um, I think that that can carry us through um, during this time. Yeah, I think the best advice I've heard is to pretend you're still in school, like get dressed in the morning. Um, if you have recorded lectures, watch them during the lecture time instead of watching them, mm -hmm. you know, at 9 p.m. at night, just to kind of maintain that sense of normalcy so you can maintain how you usually divide your time. Because all college students have kind of figured out a balance at this point in the year. And it's now the challenge is to maintain that balance when you don't have to leave your bed all day or your apartment. Mm -hmm. So before we sign off, uh, we'd like you to share with us your favorite word in a language you speak or have learned and are learning or want to learn. I would I'd love to hear what that is. Hersugol um, in Pular means uh, to shame, uh, which sounds... It, it sounds <laughs> <very> rough, <laughs> um, but uh, the way that it's used is usually like jokingly. So like you, you're shaming me. Um, it's sort of said in a way when somebody presents information about you. Um, that's sort of questionable. Question, it makes you of questionable character. You'd say like, oh, like you're trying to shame me in front of everyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's probably my favorite word. Definitely, yeah. Great. Nice. Will you repeat it one more time for us, Jabari? Ersugol. 
I also, I mean, it, it sounds very positive. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Favorite word. I, I would love to send this link to my Korean teacher and I think he would laugh with what's first coming to my mind. I will think about this again, but what first comes to my mind is something that's really not even much Korean. It's like a mix of Korean and English, but kunyang pasu is something that my class says a lot. Kunyang just means just and pasu as it sounds, it's past. A lot of times in our class, we'll joke around um, and the teacher, our teacher will say something like, we're going to read this together or we're going to do this very difficult activity. And we'll be like, kunyang pasu. That means just skip. We don't want to do that, <laughs> which is like a mix of English and Korean, which we do a lot, which is very funny. Um, but let's see, as far as just the Korean language itself, um, which I will say now, um, I think it's really beautiful that now I'm starting to want to communicate more in that language, even in my head when I'm thinking, sometimes I think in a way that I feel the words in the Korean language will communicate what I feel or think better than what I, I could in English, especially as I watch like K-dramas, I feel like I can, um, understand a deeper meaning than what the subtitles and English are showing me, which I appreciate. Um, a word in Korean. Mm. I, I'll say udi, which means we. I have noticed that in uh, Korean, there's a lot of um, community. Um, it's a lot about we instead of I, which I find in English, it's a lot about ourselves and just the language itself. Um, Udi is very interesting to me because we, in English, we always say, like, this is my family, this is my mother, this is my house. But a lot of time in Korean, like, it's Udi Gajok, our family, Udi Omoni, our mother. Hmm. Even if you're talking to someone that doesn't look like you, who's been from a different culture, you use Udi a lot. And it's like this um, kind of like shared beauty and everything of like almost like Mikasa, Sukasa, like my family, hmm. my house, your house. Um, so I think that's something that's very beautiful about the language and something that I've had to learn a lot along with the different um, honoring um, systems of how you speak to people that change that we don't have in English. So I just think that's something that's very beautiful. That is beautiful indeed and perfectly sums up what you have been talking about today. It's all about community, right? Um, I think um, going all the way back to high school, the Spanish word for carrot is zanjorias, and I've always thought that was funny. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's Very a good, good one. Awesome. Thanks so much for speaking of language with us today, Jabari, JT, and Skylar. Yes, and thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Of course. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This is really cool. With this episode, our fifth season of Speaking of Language comes to an end. We will be back in September with new topics and guests. In the meantime, you can listen to our archived shows on our website at lrc.cornell.edu, on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. We wish all our listeners a wonderful, safe, and healthy summer. Until fall, auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners. And do stay tuned for our next episode.